Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today, we brought back our friend Michael Crawford to chat with Jose Medellis of Revival Drum Shop. And, uh, you know, he's played drums in a lot of bands as well. But I figured I'd let uh, Michael kind of give us a little rundown about Jose and how the conversation went. Yeah, so um, we talked a little bit about uh, his time playing drums with the Breeders. Um, We talked a little bit about his book, The Stoic Drummer, which is a collection of um, aphorisms and uh, quotes based around, um, sort of based on the meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which plenty of people know. Um, We talked a little bit about a new book he's got in the works. And we also talked about what he does in Portland with his um, with this group called with a, an event he does called PDX Happening, which is a um, multidisciplinary event and featuring artists, uh, dancers, you name it. And also about some of his um, original work as a vibraphonist and composer um, in his group, the 1939 Ensemble. And yeah, we had a really good time. Man, I was excited to have him on. Uh, leading up to it, just kind of chatting with him, getting everything scheduled, he just made a really great impression on me. And uh, I couldn't have thought of anybody who would be a better fit, being that you both have, like, obviously the drumming connection, but uh, deep appreciation and uh, just a lot of time spent studying uh, philosophy as well. That's, like, bizarrely on, on point for what I know about you, Michael. But uh, I was also, before we jump into the episode... Um, you know, we're going to be using a, a for the bumper music in this episode that you're about to hear. It's a song that Michael was involved in recording. Uh, what's what's the short and skinny on on this recording, real quick, Michael? Oh, this is a collaboration, an improvised collaboration I did with my friend Gabe Madden, who's in a a band called Modal Coda, and we've been playing together for years. And it's um, trumpet. He's on trumpet. I'm on drum set and some objects. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for chatting with Jose for us, man. And, uh, yeah. Oh, thanks for having guys, me. Of course, man. I hope everybody enjoys this episode. And here's a little music that uh, Michael kindly let us use for, for this episode. Thanks, guys. for a little bit so oh cool um excited to talk about the book i know of course you're uh you're also the owner of revival and you guys got hacked recently so you've had oh. kind of a terrible month actually <laughs> um 
Well, I guess, you know, it's really the way you look at it. You know, this is where, you know, stoicism, all of my tools, you know, that I use as a compass really comes in handy. So, yeah, when it initially happened, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, obviously a, uh, a bummer, you know, because we had a really strong following of, mm-hmm. you know, almost 50,000 people. And, and, you know, I just kind of looked at it as like, well, no one got hurt, you know, and it's, and it's always, you know, it's sometimes a good thing to start over. Um, we were, our Instagram, you know, were much more than, than Instagram. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was a nice reminder that Instagram, although a powerful tool, is just a tool and that we could, you know, rebuild it. You know, we have an amazing community. And um, so that was really great. And then the really beautiful part of it was, you know, seeing all the support that we got from our community. But ultimately, we got uh, helped out by a drummer that used to live in Portland that now works for Facebook. And he DM'd me. Um, He was a great guy. Um, You know, we got along immensely when he lived here, but Mm -hmm. he moved to San Francisco. And he DM'd me and said, I'm going to get your account back. Not like, I'm going to try or I'll see what I could do. And we had gotten it back the next day. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, The drumming community is really good. Do you know about the, I assume you know the Tommy Igo, Dorothea Taylor situation? Yeah. 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 that, That brought up several, several times. You know, with uh, with with everything. So, yeah, I love um, I love our community. So I'm uh, I feel fortunate that you know we've uh, you know we we just kind of got through that, and and it, I just looked at it as a, a nice reminder and a and a bump in the road, you know, and uh, and we moved on. I have an amazing team at Revival, so and uh, yeah, I knew we would be fine. I mean, yeah, it was just just another thing. So. And I, I was really, uh, I was really moved once again to see the support and love for the shop and for, uh, for everything. And what was really interesting, like someone had, you know, uh, texted me and said, used the word, oh, my condolences. And I kind of was like, you know what? I really wish people wouldn't put such heaviness on yeah. them. You know, like. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, was it a distraction for sure? But it's, I mean, we will still be us, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it was really shocking to see how much weight um, people put on, on, uh, on social media. And I think it's, uh, I think it's dangerous. And also too, I read a lot. So I don't want to say, um, I'm, I'm just aware of how social media can be. So I think that helped, uh, like I said earlier, having some of the tools to maneuver through uh, just life in general. And that was just another, oh, okay. You know, and granted with everything else, like uh, the resilience part of revival, mm-hmm. millions of other people um, has grown strong through the last year, to say the least. Yeah. Um yeah, I, yeah, um, we're so, we're so stuck in it. You're right. It is a tool. It's a especially important tool, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of a, it's a shame because you guys have been around, how long has the shop been open now? 
Uh, just over 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of remember, well, I guess I found out about, I remember when I was younger, the first ever uh, drum shops that I'd heard of were like, uh, were Maxwell's and, and Forks. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, uh, I guess that was early 2000s. So, um, but yeah, and then I'm, you guys have had, well, you've been doing good things for a while. So, you know, just a drop in the bucket, hopefully. And yeah, you got your, our friends on Facebook. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's great that, you know, we were able to get our account back and just kind of pick up, you know, where we, you know, where we left off. So, yeah, so that was a, a nice, nice end to that story, you know, that we were able to get our account back up and running and uh, got all of our followers back. And yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, cool. Um, do you mind if I, I don't want to be too biographical, but would you mind just um, giving me, I guess the listeners to um, a sort of storyline of how you went from, I guess, getting started in drumming to being a shop owner and an author, along with still a drummer, of course, too, but yeah. Um, and that can yeah, ask me- you some you know, more, more pointed questions, I guess, but I'm curious. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, I've always been a drummer since, you know, fourth grade. I've always loved drums, lived and breathed drums. So uh, when I graduated high school, I moved to Chicago. And before Chicago, I moved, or I lived in a, uh, a small town along the Illinois River called LaSalle. Mm-hmm. So after I graduated, I moved to Chicago, playing in bands in Chicago, and then uh, one of the bands relocated to Southern California, and I played in bands in Southern California, and then uh, I moved to Portland. I wanted to get out of touring and be a present father and husband, mm-hmm. and that's when I opened up Revival. So... I know that's kind of the quick story. That's the elevator story, mm-hmm. but that's what it, how it, how it worked. So, and a lot happened between when I left LaSalle, obviously, until you know present day. So, you know, um, like you said, I love that I've been a drummer the whole time, and and the the drums and drumming has been the thread that's definitely kept my life, you know, together. So. And everything that I've done, that's thing, you know, really is because of music. That's how I met my wife. So, and and it's always been there, which has been really great. So, um, yeah, I it's a tough one because it's like, just like every drummer, you know, I I played in bands and I went on auditions, and I just feel like I've been very fortunate to have you know made a, a living playing drums as long as I did and had that kind of constitution to say, okay, uh, I think I'm done touring. I'm going to stay home. And so um, all I've known is drums. So it made sense to open up Revival Drum Shop, a little drum shop. Um, And that's what I, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. 
Um, there's, there's so much in there that, that I don't even know how to touch upon as far as like playing, you know, in all the different scenarios that I've played in and all that. So, mm-hmm. well, how'd you, um, how'd you get to, uh, when did, when did the book idea start, I guess, in all of this? Yeah. The, what happened was the, the seed of the book was planted when I was really burnt out from revival and uh, we had a uh, incident at the shop that was really uh, shocking to me and uh, really kind of kind of put me back on my heels we had an internal theft which I was really devastated and so I started to uh, look for something that I could go to so I wouldn't ever be in that position again so I started asking friends like what church do you go to what do you do and I um, I've been familiar with stoicism before I had bought the uh, Sharon LaBelle's book uh, The Art of Living and mm-hmm. years ago on tour and then a friend of mine Damien Nightature reminded me about it and then eventually I kind of circled back and uh, rediscovered uh, stoicism so once I started applying stoicism to my daily life and using it as a compass and a practice, I started to apply that to my musical situation and it really enhanced it. It made me a more present and happy drummer also. And so in my side yard, when I was you know, journaling and working on stuff, I said, man, I think this could maybe help other people and other drummers. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I put together the book and, you know, I, you know, made a, a small run of the initial, you know, initial, uh, uh, pressing, you know, a 500 and it sold out in like two weeks when I released it. So, well, yeah, um, do another. Re- yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's resonated with, it's blown me away. To be honest with you. Like it's, you know, it's been shipped to 50 countries and, you know, Thousands of drummers have, have really, really embraced it. And I get the most beautiful, you know, messages about how it's impacted and helped drummers. So I'm really proud of that. So that's kind of how it, how it started or, you know, it came to be. Just like a lot of things in my life, I just felt like this have to. Like, you know, I have to play drums. I have to be creative. I, you know, I have to uh, share my love of, you know, drumming so yeah it is kind of a yeah it is kind of novel territory because there's really not i I think there's uh there's articles in modern drummer about posture there's um uh effortless mastery the book you know but i think you hit on something pretty specific which is yeah there's not a whole lot of that out there and there's no reason there shouldn't be um so yeah, props. Well, thank you. And yeah. if there was if there was a book like that, because I love Kenny's book, and um, and I looked for books, you know, and I love Bob Moses' book mm-hmm. um, from Wisdom. I mean, I've I've definitely just like you know, if there was a shop like Revival, I wouldn't have opened up Revival to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, there, uh, I could have went and worked for any of the you know, there's a drum shop here in town that's been here for a long time, and I. 
couldn't even fathom working there because yeah. it was so so not my scene and um so yeah if there was you know a band like 1939 ensemble i wouldn't have started that i wouldn't have done the book to be honest with you and i wouldn't have done the revival so i almost do it out of kind of necessity to be honest with you so i'm just glad that um these ventures that i go on seem to make people happy and inspire people and inspire other people to open shops in revival vein and um yeah it's it's been a, a a cool a cool thing you know no doubt about it so yeah thank you yeah so. um i guess i'm more more on topic and then i got i have tons of drummer questions i could i could bore you with later but i'm actually would like to continue on this thread if you're okay with it yeah um, absolutely do you think that uh you mentioned the sort of have to but i think you do have a real knack for um hitting yeah hitting certain novel intersections so do you think it's just the have to or do you think um do you think stoicism has helped you sort of um sort of unify your your storyline so to, not to not to cheapen it but has it given you a sense of uh yeah unification about what you're doing and where how you've gotten where you've gotten that wasn't there before i guess i think it's more of um you know i like i said i think it's more of as far as as far as stoicism i think it's it's more um excuse me of uh it's just more of a just a, a compass and a tool that i use because you know i i don't know i think it's you know because i feel like oh man i'm trying to find the right words i'm just trying to think of like you know the way it, stoicism has has worked for me is that yeah i just um i think yeah i, I do i think there I think there's a, a, a certain thing with creatives, you know, just like any musician, that I think you need to, you know, to produce things with integrity, you know, and quality. Um, yeah. and, and that's where you find peace. And I think stoicism is just a, a part of a bigger picture, you know, and because to me, Stoicism allows me to have freedom, you know, freedom from kind of the outside world, you know, affecting me. And, mm -hmm. um, and it gives me, so once I have that freedom, it gives me the confidence to share kind of my values and my principles, you know, yeah. through Bible or through my book or through my music. And then I, and it, then, then that lets me, push kind of past the fear and doubt that always pops up no matter what. So then I'm kind of doing what I want and not chasing ghosts. You know what I mean? I'm like actually chasing You're out of your own way. Yeah. And it's like, and cause it's important for me to not to compromise, you know, and to finish the task and mission at hand and essentially live, you know, uh, by example and to be true to myself. So, you know, having stoicism and, you know, and 
thinking about Buddhism and, you know, and mm-hmm. just meditating and going on walks, you know, with my son in the afternoon. To me, that is, uh, is ultimate freedom. So, and I know I need it. I know I, it helps me connect with drummers on a whole different plane than just talking about snare heads and how cool, mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so's drums are. Oh, yeah. And it, and it ultimately makes the community better. And this is kind of what I do. Um, stoicism, you know, is, is definitely an anchor in my life. And so it's like, you know, because, you know, Marcus Aurelius says, you know, people, you know, are best when we're here for each other. You know what I mean? Anybody could have said that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's cool, like, you know, that when Marcus Aurelius was writing, obviously his meditations, it was just for himself. You know what I mean? It's like I almost you feel like almost very like a warrior looking into someone so personal when no one else was really supposed to read this stuff. And uh, and to, you know, hear someone who's the most you know powerful person in the world, you know, saying these things. And it just really resonated with me. So yeah, it's very but, intimate work for that, for all the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I just started reading um, John uh, Cornell's diary and book. Um, he's such a great artist and it's very, it's very odd. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I don't know if I should be reading this. This is a mm-hmm. letter to, and this is a letter to Robert Motherwell. You know what I mean? Like, Oh wow. This, yeah. It's just like these, wow. And, and I, you know, I read, um, you know, JFK's letters also, you know what I mean? It's like this very amazing to see a peek behind kind of the curtain. So I think it's fortunate that we have, you know, like books like this out there. So I don't know if I, if I answered it, but I no, always, that, I know that's good. Yeah. It, it, helps me, it helps me focus on the deep work and that's why, um, I think things, uh, that I do, you know, fortunately resonate with people. And, um, and yeah, sometimes, sometimes it, it just, uh, just things work out. And because I'm just trying to, to live right, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, I don't know, just live by my values, you know, being a good father, being a good husband, good friend, good business, you know, owner, I want to call it that, you know, good musician. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you and you mentioned the uh the Buddhism overlap um which is I guess the other part. I mean that there's sort of a that's around in the drumming community really, but I think you also the the focus on the big picture too is sort of uh underemphasized. And so, yeah, I think more conversation about that is neat because that's the kind of drumming I like that tends to well yeah maybe people could disagree but not get lost in the details you know so yeah and you know and how how lucky are we we get to see you know these real masters like in real life like the Brian Blades of the world like mm-hmm. I think that's been one of the I think one of the the gifts of having revival and me being a drummer for as long as I have been is that I'm able to connect on an intimate level with the Brian Blades and Bob Moses and Billy Martin, you know, and mm-hmm. we can actually have real conversations, which I, I, I find real and it's so beautiful. And when you see, you know, Brian Blade play, 
you just you see that magic you know and i think that's what i would think everyone is striving for and that's why i would hope that um the stoic drummer and my next book just really i don't know just kind of really uh really nurtures that 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 inner drummer sanctuary where you can feel that when you're by yourself in your practice room or if you're in front of 20 people or 20,000 people mm-hmm. so i think you know having that reminder that this could be the last time i play drums you know when you walk into your rehearsal room you know i think that's really powerful and real so it just changes and and that's what i love about you know watching bob moses or you know i had the privilege to see milford graves play that brought me to tears mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was so real and intense and uh with all the distractions of the world you owe it to yourself to be that present when you when you play and when you do something because you are your work you are your you are your drumming if that makes sense so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um that's how i feel about it so yeah no and once you get out of your own way you you can be your own drumming even more so right um oh, yeah i think you know having that the you know having that that self you know that that awareness that's the that's the i think the big one personally you know is having that awareness um which is super exciting i think that's what you would want you know cuz when you as you know you know you know there's, there's so many great books on the creative process you know and the, there's a common thread you know finding that flow and i think when you are touching so inside yourself you know like dan wise there's so many examples and that's mm-hmm. what that's the one good thing about social media and all of this is like there's a blitz of amazing drummers that you can actually you know go and watch on your phone mm-hmm. and support them through their you know their um you know patreon or whatever they're offering and see you know behind the curtain So I think it's it's really exciting that we're able to to see these drummers you know in a, such an intimate way and other drummers not so intimate you know just mm-hmm. you know it's but it's that's the beauty of choice you know so and and like it just comes back to awareness I think Yeah I I uh years ago I think I saw Oh and Billy Martin we could talk about Billy Martin forever too but um <laughs> Yeah, I I remember when I saw that he did the uh prep or the forward and I just thought, man, I saw Billy Mart. I happened to see well, I guess eventually I saw him, but he was the first person I saw with a table full of stuff. I guess you want is what I is what I saw it as then. Um you know, he stood up and he played items I had never seen before. I think I was 22. Um Yeah, and then now I can just tell people, hey, you know, you don't have to see Billy Martin, but check out Billy you can see Billy Martin's creative process in real time, which is amazing, but trying to communicate that he could capture a room with a table full of objects is hard to do. You know, mm. it was sort of like a like a myth, you know, like, you know, my this guy's telling us about some guy with a table full of stuff, you know. And and look at and look at you know Billy being a, an amazing example of who he is you know coming out 
and you know, his true self because obviously he's an artist and he's a father you know he runs a label you know he you know loves loves painting and you know leads his own own world in so many ways books and you know dvds mm-hmm. he's like uh you know he's such a the life on a, drums dvd yeah he's yeah. such a powerful and you know his book uh, called wandering i believe you know just fantastic just fantastic stuff and um and that comes out when he stands and plays a table full of bells and mm-hmm. metal and shakers it's like you know kind of like we're going back to you know seeing this beautiful essence and glow when these people play you know it's uh what you want to i think strive for and so many people do it's really beautiful you know so it's great to witness that so that's awesome that you you know can can embrace that and be aware how cool that is so that's awesome yeah there's yeah there's just something about that immediacy you know that uh and it's how do you tell people about that you know i think Mm -hmm. i think you've done a good job again on the book um you've got we're we're getting closer to sort of how do we cultivate the immediacy? Not the not the paradiddles or the mm-hmm. you know, or changing the drum heads or finding the right superphonic or whatever. But yeah, so yeah, and that's it right there. I think it's uh, you know I think um, I think everybody wants to strive for what's beyond the drum, also you know and. You know, obviously having your tool that inspires you from your drumsticks to your drum head to your snare drum, those are all part of, you know, the, the grander picture. But it really starts with yourself and, you know, ins- being inspired by yourself and, you know, and showing up and playing every day no matter what and being dedicated to your your joy, you know, of drumming. I think that's really beautiful. And that's all it is. It's just... I think with the stoic drummer in my next book, I just want to to continue to uh, have the drummer feel empowered and where they really don't need anybody else. You know, obviously you do, but ultimately Mm -hmm. um, if you just, um, I don't know, just, you know, continue just to nurture your, your core and, and celebrate and engage with your, you know, inner drumming sanctuary, your, I mean, yeah, how, you can't you can't be denied because when you're, I think a happy drummer. Uh, I know for me, and I only speak for myself. And I know when I'm a, a you know, happy drummer, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a happy person, <laughs> happier person, and you know, more. Uh, I don't know, just just more full of love when I leave the room, mm-hmm. and I did it for myself, and not for Instagram, not for you know someone else, but I truly just did it for myself, and. And I love sharing, don't get me wrong, and I think that's really important, especially now, is to share, you know, what you what you do and your loves and, and what you need. But ultimately, I think just finding that um, that inward uh, strength is crucial, I think, now more than ever. So, yeah. Yeah, so have you been working on the second book then? Yeah, it's pretty much done. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's essentially, um, yeah, probably ninety-eight percent done. It's at the copy editor right oh, now. Oh, that is pretty it. done, yeah. And uh, so, 
yeah, my the artwork is done. The illustrations are finished. Uh, Johnny Herndon did the cover. And oh, the awesome. This is yeah. This is the first time I'm actually talking about it. Besides, in my little, my little kind of world. Would so it, that's exciting. Would it yeah. be prying of me to ask you for uh, a little more about it? Oh yeah, no problem. It's um, yeah, yeah. I could talk about. It, of course. Um, it's uh, I think the perfect uh, partner with the Stoic drummer. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be called the Drummer Ethos, and it essentially celebrates the characteristic spirit of our drumming culture, you know, and it's like, you know, how it's manifested in various, you know, credence and aspirations. And so I essentially, you know, uh, went and worked on essays for it. And of course, pulled quotes, um, not only from uh, Stoicism, but also from, you know, other uh, philosophers and uh, drummers, of course, forward-thinking drummers and uh, musicians and other creatives in general. And I reached out to a lot of peers and uh, and got contributions from them. And those like include like Brendan Canty from Fugazi, Pete Thomas from Elvis Costello, um, Nels Klein, mm -hmm. um, Allison Miller. So yeah, it's a 200 plus page, you know, ode to drummers. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. it's like the Stoic drummer, um, but with even more more uh, more insights. And I'm super excited about it. It's going to come out as of right now. I'm shooting for spring of this year. And yeah, yeah, thank you, uh, Tinker mm -hmm. Hatfield. I don't know if you're familiar with him. But um, mm. he essentially helps save Nike, and he's an iconic shoe designer. And he lives in Portland, and he uh, wrote the foreword. Oh, so cool. that's it. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted to reach out to all, you know, kind of little outside of just the drumming world, but how drumming affects, you know, um, uh, you know, a bass player, a producer, you know, kind of their also their look on drummers and mm -hmm. drumming. Yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. It took a couple of years, so I feels really good to be able to kind of talk about it. And I think my goal is to um, announce it maybe next week on my Instagram. Well, you so know, we got the exclusive it's... scoop here on Comfort Monk, all right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys. So, but uh, um, yeah, I'm really excited. So, yeah, like I said, it's um, you know ultimately, you know it's. Again, it's just inspired by drummers, and it's a no doubt a love another love letter to drummers, you know, mm -hmm. in a way. And um, and one cool thing, like uh, one I wanted to embrace this kind of concept is that um, what life teaches us about drumming, drumming teaches us about life. So I just really wanted to draw those parallels, and I, I hope I did with the, with the new book. So we'll see. I hope people enjoy it, and. Um, yeah, but it, it feels really good, and it makes me really, really uh, happy that I uh, had the time and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the humble confidence to, uh, to put out another book, you know, that's for sure. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you've gotten um, a ton of good feedback from the last one, of course, too, and, oh, did you say essays? Are you just going to have essays? Yeah, too? yeah. Okay, great, yeah. Because the last one's 
uh, quotes and aphorisms and all sorts of stuff, actually, but quotes and aphorisms. Yeah, yeah I'm so. excited about Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, because the essays, what I did was I, I essentially based them on outsider drummers. That's how I, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I write about, like, the first time I saw Billy Mintz play, uh, I talk about, you know, the first time I saw Han Benick play. So mm-hmm. there's these, these kind of, I don't know, kind of, uh, you know, that perspective, how it kind of made me feel. And yeah, it's people that have read it um, or that have looked at it seem to, to agree that um, I was on the right path. So, and like I said, Johnny Herndon did the, uh, the artwork who I'm a massive fan of his drumming and his art. So that was a, a total honor to have him involved. And he did, uh, I think, I think 16 illustrations for the, the inside of it. Oh, awesome. That's, yeah, they're all beautiful. So, yeah. Well, does that mean you have a third book coming? <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Surely you're already <laughs> thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of started it already. Yeah, so that one I'm going to keep in the bag for a minute. I'm not okay. <laughs> I just want to, I think it's going to be, a, uh, it's a little more, um, yeah, it's a little bit to the left of what I'm doing now, but I think it's going to be really fun for people, you know, once, uh, and hopefully that'll come out by the end of the year. That'll be fun to have, you know, I don't want to put too much in front of me. So, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Thank you for, for asking about that. And it, wow, it actually feels cool to talk about it. You know what I mean? I feel like it's been such a, you know, um, a, a beautiful journey and I feel fortunate that I'm able to, to do it again so yeah thank you for asking oh yeah was it mostly done before last March or did it kind of pick up after everything yeah it definitely picked up um, no doubt about it so uh, which was you know like I said another another gift to show up every day and work on it and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the work definitely picked up. And what was really interesting was I think I was able to get a lot of insights from all of these amazing, amazing creatives because they were home. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. for, you know, like, um, and I, I would hope that they would have responded anyway, but, <laughs> but I think Doesn't I was hurt. really, yeah, I think I was really fortunate to have been able to have people have the time to sit down and, you know, and really, Kind of answer the questions that I asked them, and really come from a, a place of, of truth. So, um, how are you including their insights, if you don't mind me asking, as quotes yeah. or? No, I um, um, I asked them a series of questions. So interview style. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I guess no. You know what? I have no spoilers. These, no spoilers, but yeah. Um, it's just great. It's I asked some questions and I got their perspective and their perspectives obviously are all over the place, you know, because there's so many different, mm-hmm. uh, different um, walks of life that I have asked, like bass players and guitar players and producers and engineers and obviously a ton of drummers. So, yeah, it was I think it's going to be a really good read, I think, for people. And, and it's very and done in the same uh, vein as the stoic drummer where it's you can pick it up and open up any page and it will give you something and to I think really really chew on so um, and I love that 
you know, everyone involved with my kind of my, my, my book team are drummers. So from my graphics person, from my, you know, editors, from obviously my art people, it's pretty great. The only people that aren't drummers are the actual manufacturers, but mm -hmm. everyone else are drummers. So I'm really, really proud of that. So I see, look at that. Drummers are just helping each other all over the place. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, and considering like at one point in my life when I lived in LaSalle, um, my dad would take me bean walking in the fields with him, you know, and to be able to, um, you know, have kind of lived this deliberate life that I have now is pretty awesome. So I feel really fortunate. Yeah. So. Well, awesome. Yeah. Um, I could ask you about drums forever. How much time do you have? Or, yeah. Let's, um, yeah. Let's. Yeah, let's talk drums. I didn't you want know, to. Uh... No, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but very seldom when I do these interviews, um, you know, people don't ask me about what it was like to play with the Breeders. They don't ask me like what it was like to play with. Oh, Julian. we got to do all that. No, they don't ask me. You know, like we just we kind of dive into the book and like that whole uh, beautiful thing, and I have no problems with that. And it's just really, uh, you know, and and I just find it really fascinating and. And it's so beautiful that people want to talk about that aspect of drumming, you know what I mean, more, mm -hmm. which it, I think is really cool. And uh, yeah, but I can totally talk about all of that stuff and oh. talk about drums all day. So yeah, man, let's... Uh, okay, let's, you're already... Good. Then you already asked the first question, which was, how was it playing with the breeders? <laughs> um, it was... Because um, I've seen it, Loud, Quiet, Loud, but other than that, know, I just know rumors. And of course, you don't yeah. have to spill the tea or anything. But. <laughs> All right. um, well, let me tell you, it was such a uh, privilege to play, you know, with Kim and Kelly mm -hmm. and Jim Mondo. It was, uh, yeah, it was absolute privilege. And I was really, I was pretty young when I, when I started playing with, with the breeders. You played with them I, for a while before you ever, before you did that record, right? Yeah, I played, yeah. um, yeah, I was with them, you know, I, I mean, I was, yeah, I was, I was in the Breeders technically for ten years, but we were really active for like five of those years. If that mm -hmm. makes any sense. So, um, yeah, I played on two albums and an EP, which was really cool. And but to answer your question, what it was like to play with the Breeders, it was uh, it was challenging at times, but also um, one of the coolest experiences of my life because Kim is. Uh, such such a warrior she has so much integrity with her her writing and when it comes to music it was really cool to be her partner on a lot of uh, a lot of sessions and yeah it was insane because I was in the band before she got sober mm -hmm. and I was in the band after she was sober also and it was really uh, fascinating to see that transition for her and it felt good to be her friend uh, during that change in her life mm -hmm. and and you know what was it like to be in the breeders it was really uh, eye-opening and a reminder of how important it is kind of to do your thing good bad or ugly so mm -hmm. yeah and it was a ton of fun I mean we had so much fun and Sure, there were there a ton of challenges, absolutely, but it was so, so much fun. I'm sure you went all over the place for that one, too. All over the world, yes. It was, uh, 
it was really cool because it seemed like after that, I after I got that gig, I didn't have to audition so much. Like someone that would just call me and ask me to come play on their record. Or, so, yeah, that's what you want, right? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nice, and uh, and it was funny because I had endorsements before I got into the Breeders, so I mm-hmm. felt I felt really good that I actually turned into someone that could, you know play their stuff on TV and all over the world. You know what I mean? You like, feel like you're oh. doing your part, right? <laughs> totally. So, um, but yeah, cause I was doing a lot of touring before the breeders, but I loved it. And this is one thing too, before I don't want to forget is that, you know, when I auditioned for the band, uh, Kim was said, look, if you join the band, you have to tour, you know what I mean? You're not just going to write, you know, play the record and, mm-hmm. and, and leave. It was like this kind of like, you know, I, I give you my word, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to stick around. And they really believed in me. And so that's why I was so committed uh, to, to the band. Because I think I could have left on good reasons a few times. But I don't know. I really, uh, they were my family. And it's a lot of trust too, right? A ton of trust. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was really cool. So thanks for bringing that up. I don't get to talk about the breeders too often. You know, like once in a while, someone will DM me about them or, or I'll see someone that will bring it up. So, yeah, it's nice. I did want to talk about the 1939 ensemble, too. Oh, since, yeah. Um, I assume that's your, I guess, most current active thing these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I started that as a duo, drums and vibraphone duo. Okay, yeah. And noise. And... Because I realized I needed to play, you know, after I started Revival Drum Shop, um, I still wanted to like go out and, you know, play some shows, but I didn't want to join a band. <laughs> yeah. That's be my like. That's how you know, got there in the first place. Yeah, Kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And so, yeah, we just started, you know, um, uh, me and my friend Dave Caniglio, one of my favorite drummers. We just started making some some racket in my basement, and yeah, we booked some shows and try to fast forward. You know, we started as a duo, then went to a trio, and ended up as a quartet. And we put out I think three full lengths and an EP, and we did a really great tour with Tortoise and you know. Oh, that's right. I knew. And, I was like, I've seen this before. I've seen this name somewhere before. I remember that. Yeah. But it's a very like uh, kind of hometown, you know, we kind of do it when it's, you know, kind of convenient for everybody. But we're a, a type of band that could open for Bad, Bad, Not Good, and then Battles the next day, and then Tortoise the next day, then, you know, Kamasi Washington the next day. It's Sounds really pretty cool. good. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, I love it. And yeah, I don't, I, I don't regret starting that band at all. So you're on um, vibes, right? Uh, vibes and drums. We oh, all kind of, yeah, yeah, tortoise style. It, and absolutely, and uh, I mean, we're all fans of tortoise, and obviously, and who isn't? But um, did you know them all? I guess you guys were all friends when you were in Chicago. Um, I was just friends with Johnny Herndon. Okay, but um, but right now, um, John McIntyre, who actually worked on uh, 39's album, a couple of them, uh, lives in Portland. Again. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I just saw him the other day, so yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's nice to be friends with all those guys, and uh, yeah, they've definitely an influence. But we really tried our best not to be Tortoise Junior, you right. know. Um, 
and that's where yeah it was a it was it was really fun to kind of evolve and kind of do whatever we wanted so yeah it really worked out so thank you for asking about about 39 ensemble mm-hmm. have you guys uh, gotten together at all recently or no no you know it's really a drag because before this hit we took a little break because my trumpet player started uh, opened a food cart Dave had his third baby mm-hmm. uh, revival was moving you know locations um, Kay was going through some you know uh, some things so I was like, oh, let's just take a break and we'll just kind of reconvene after the first of the year. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so that first of the year has just kind of kept us, I think, just away. But I hope, you know, we'll figure out a way to kind of create somehow either sending tracks or isolated. I have no idea, you know, because I've worked during this time. Like um, I did the new She and Him record, uh, drums and percussion for that. Oh, awesome, um, yeah. What I worked on, um, just played some drums on a, a HBO a docu series that's coming out. So you know, there's and I actually did recording on my uh, my new record that I have coming out. It's a John Fahey tribute record. So I've been able to go and record, you know, in these like very mm-hmm. normal, isolated type of things. So maybe something like that with Thirty Nine, we can figure it out. Just start building. So yeah, I know it's that's not quite a, the same though, is it? It really isn't. I mean, we were like a machine. We would rehearse, you know, four four times a week, and you know, always be sending, you know, ideas to other people. Take it good. You know? Yeah, like it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I do miss that. And they played us on the radio the other day and said these really beautiful things, and I got actually my my eyes welled up. I was all like, "Gosh, I really miss this." Yeah. You know? um, I do miss. I do miss it. You know, the other day. About a, or maybe about a month ago now, uh, someone had sent me um, a bootleg vinyl of the show, one of the shows I did with Joey Ramone from the Viper Room. So I was really excited to listen to it. You know what I mean? It's been so mm-hmm. long. And uh, in, in the band was Steve Soto from the Adolescents and 22 Jacks, who I played with, who had passed away. And, you know, it was just a really joyful moment for me. So I got my tea, sat down in my chair, dropped the needle on the record. And, you know, we opened up with Wonderful World. And, man, halfway through, I just started crying because I miss playing so much. And, uh, you know, uh, and yeah. that it was, I was shocked. And granted, maybe it was because, you know, Joey's gone and Steve's gone. and But I feel like also... You know, it, I was grieving for that feeling of playing in front of people was gone for the moment. So it, I just kind of, just kind of, you know, and it was like, it was odd for it to sideswipe me like that. Because here I, like I said, I was so excited to hear it. And I was, you know, and it, it ultimately I was fine. But boy, those moments still catch you. So I don't know if you ever feel that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, we uh, are... Ever since the iPhone, it's all, I've always tried to make it a point that we keep that someone even gets like you know some sort of record of what's going on. Um, and you know, you hear things you would never otherwise hear when once you just start keeping keeping the recording on, you know, and you go back and you think, oh man, you know, we were really on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there I, that immediacy, you know, you can't quite put it into words, but when you hear it, you know. So. 
Um, yeah. Well, I guess uh, I did have a nice. Well, we'll use it as a segue. How about that? Um, you're you had an event called uh, was it the Portland Happening? Oh, uh, Deep Happening. Deep Happening. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I assume that is inspired by Cage and is no longer an event, but I was very curious about it. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for bringing it up. So I had um, I had recorded a solo album um, at this incredible space called the Bo Decker Foundation, uh, Halfling Studios. So it's a skate bowl in this amazing warehouse that is also a recording studio and artist space. It's, it's amazing here in Portland. It's so cool. It was started by, or it was built by Sandy Bo Decker. So I recorded my record there and they were like, Hey, you should do your record release show here. So I said, Oh man. Ooh. And they, said you could do whatever you want so um so i had gotten uh, one of my favorite local painters to come and hang their art um i had uh, one of my favorite local poets um obviously i had a couple of my you know avant-garde electronic people play mm -hmm. i played i played a set um i i ran a movie you know in between you know the acts so <laughs> it was yeah. like so much fun. I had an amazing uh, DJ play some great music also. And it was such a, and oh, and also too, all of my invites, I, I made um, these tiny postcards and handed them out. I would just bring them with people. And, um, and I would just, if I ran into someone at the grocery store, at the drum shop, I would just like, hey, here, you can pick out one of these um, collage postcards that I made. You know, so that's how I invited people. Um, of course, I did a an announcement on my uh, on my Instagram, but I kept it very kind of a little bit old school. Mm -hmm. So, Analog. yeah, absolutely. So I have this this release show, and it went really, really great. And the record's called um, uh, "The Art of Slowness," which I'm really proud of. It's a solo vibraphone record. Uh, it's been a couple of years now, but um, the people that are at the uh, Bo Decker Foundation is like Chris Funk from the Decemberists. Mm -hmm. He he heads a lot of a lot of stuff over there. He was like, man, we would really love it if you could do what you did for your record release show, like as a series here. I said, wow. I go, I would be able to like book whoever I wanted, and they would get paid. He goes, yes. I'm like, holy cow. So, yeah, so I came up with the concept called a deep happening because obviously because of all the amazing things that are, it's connected to that mm -hmm. hole, that it was down in a skate bowl, you know, a 13-foot skate bowl where we would set up the artists. And so we did, um, yeah, I think we did six of those. And we were planning on doing it again, you know, before the pandemic. But we couldn't do it during the winter months before the pandemic because it got really cold in the warehouse mm -hmm. um, so yeah and but one positive thing with deep happening is besides celebrating you know artists and dancers and poets and musicians um, we recently did a day of filming we filmed eight artists five cameras you know all recorded and we're going to edit it all together and then release them as a streaming thing 
and uh, I did a set which was nice, and yeah, and seven other Portland acts did it also. So, yeah, yeah. it's gonna kind of still be around, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. How frequent was it before uh, before last winter? I guess. Oh yeah, we did it. Um, what was it? We did it. Um, we did it. We did it once a month. Oh, yeah, that's pretty frequent. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It's been a minute. I had to think about it. I know, it feels like a different world. Yeah, we would, I mean, we'd have posters and, yeah, we'd have, yeah, drinks. And, ah, it was really fantastic. It's a beautiful warehouse. Yeah, and and lights. And, yeah, it was was really great. Thanks for bringing it up. But, yeah, Deep Happening, really proud of that. And, uh, yeah, it still lives. And Chris Funk and everyone at the Bodecker Foundation is amazing. And they love supporting artists so yeah big shout out to them cool any plans uh you said you got the a streaming sort of compilation or a video compilation yes um, that'll be coming out okay that's good do you have a date i don't i'm sorry no, no that's okay um yeah i understand of course but um what else drumming stuff that's uh yeah that's so cool i wish that was I mean, I wish that was a thing in every city in America. Yeah. And how fortunate am I that I get to do these things and keep doing them? You know, like Revival to be around for over 12 years. And I remember we would have art shows at Revival, you know, that we would have, um, you know, shows all the time in Revival. Um, it's so cool. And to be able to um, write a book you know, and put out another book and make music that you really want to make and work with artists that you really want to work with. I feel, I feel just so fortunate, you know, that I'm able to um, kind of live in this semi-outsider artist world and be rewarded, you know, for just kind of standing my ground. And yeah, I just, it's kind of crazy. So, but deep happening is another another thing where I'm all, holy cow, this is, wow, this is cool. And well, you're the, you're the glue here in this case, actually. Yeah, it's really nice. So, yeah, it just feels good because no one has to do anything, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? They don't have to, uh, um, I don't know, they don't have to encourage that. But, yeah, what's nice about about that, it's it's creating with substance. I think is huge. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to talk, well, not talk about your library necessarily, but your library <laughs> that we're not looking at anymore. Um, a couple of, you mentioned the Bob Moses we talked about, uh, Kenny Werner, Effortless Mastery. Um, I was wondering if you had a few more book recommend, you know, or maybe things that meant a lot when they hit you in terms of books. Oh, yeah, I think... Um, for drummers and, yeah, more avant-garde-minded musicians. Yeah, I think... Mac- yeah, I think as far as, you know, I mean, the music, you know, side of things, it's like, I don't know, it's... I think... Hmm, let me see here. I really... This isn't... Because I, I think you can apply um, what you read for business or for sports to drumming, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm a huge fan of Robert Greene and his book Mastery. 
Mm-hmm. I think I haven't heard of, of it, but I, I yeah, know the I, name. Think, I think it's one of the greatest books ever written. <laughs> it's one of those books where I'm like, wow, this should be like twelve hundred bucks. This shouldn't be thirty dollars. You're you know eight dollars used. There's so much. Uh, it's really dense, but it's really beautiful. Also, I would recommend, yeah, Mastery, um, and also he wrote a book called. Uh, the Laws of Human Nature. That's his latest oh, book. Okay, yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Um, What's I really his background. Love... Sorry. Oh yeah, no problem. He, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's written, I don't know, I think like six or six books, and um, he was working in Hollywood for a long time. You know, trying to write for like movies and stuff mm-hmm. and. And then he just kind of pivoted and started writing. Um, I forget what his first book is, but he'll write the books of you know the Forty Eight Laws of Power. That might have been his first book. And once okay. it came, it like like they banned it in prisons and stuff. Like it's really, <laughs> you know. And so then he wrote like the Art of Seduction, uh, uh, you know the uh, you know Laws of War. I think is there. You know, I think just yeah, all this like amazing really intense beautiful uh writing so yeah definitely check him out he's he's amazing um i really love uh ray dalio um principles that's a beautiful book i think that's a a really good read for for people um you know about life and work i think you can apply a lot of his aspects to music and how you approach drums, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished The Practice by Seth Godin. That's fantastic. Um, I really love that book. And then, of course, Deep Work by Cal Newport. I highly recommend that one. I don't know if you read that, mm-hmm. but that's pretty, that's pretty great. Um, uh, Stephen Pressfield, you know, The War of Art. Have yep. you read that? Yeah, that's it's fantastic. It's on, on my list, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And then, of course, you know, obstacle is the way, and ego is the enemy. By Ryan Holiday, um, you know he's he's a really uh, interesting writer, to say the least, that celebrates stoicism and um, yeah. And I just finished also another one. I love reading, so I just read um, uh, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by Donald uh, Robertson. That's a really great book. I really enjoyed that one, and. Uh, and then, oh yeah, then the courage to create. I think that's a huge mm-hmm. one. I uh, Rollo May. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. Rollo May. Um, he's, uh, he's he's slowly becoming one of my uh, my favorites. Also, just started digging into him. So I know it's a long winded question, but I just love I just love. No, those it. are all great. Yeah, some and, some of them I do know, some of them I don't, and this yeah. isn't all for me either. Yeah, that's great. And then, uh, oh yeah, the you know the <clears throat> excuse me the. I really am a huge fan of Krishnamurti, you know, and his, mm-hmm. if you're going to pick up one of his books, I would get the, uh, the book of life. That's a really great read, you know, and, you know, you just read a passage every day from that and you should be pretty good to go. So, yeah, I know that was a huge thing, but, no, uh, but, but of course, uh, the, the life drumming connection isn't always so explicit. So it's, it's not like there's this whole genre of, drum life connection books that we can point to, you know, so we have to do a little extra work, which is good. Yeah. And, and the way that I'm wired is like, if I read a book on why, why countries fail, it's going to be I'll about apply, drums. Apply it that to, 
Yeah, but you know what I mean? I'll be like, oh man, we really can't do that. Or the art of war to, you know what I mean, to revival. You know, mm -hmm. it's really, really fascinating to see how you can apply, you know, when you read about Seneca's morals to life in general and to the music. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And you know, he was big on on that too, is, you know, Dave Elitch. I know he's, he's mm -hmm. such a, you know, he's so well-rounded and, and it, and him and I would riff on, on stuff. And yeah, I really like talking with him. And yeah, so I think it's great. It's such a big world out there. And I feel fortunate that we're able to just kind of explore it, you know, and, you know, yeah, it's cool. So oh, man, maybe, maybe we'll get him on here one day and we'll talk about Morris Volta or something. Um, <laughs> Which brings me to my next question, which is about formative uh, formative drummers or musical experiences that you saw. I already told you mine uh, about Billy Martin, sort of. but um, And you mentioned uh, Milford Graves, too, which I was fortunate enough to see him, which might have been his last, I think it was his last performance at Hopscotch. Wow. Um, so that was my most recent. I think Billy Martin was my first one, but I was curious about some of yours also. Yeah, um, that's how I heard about Dave was through Mars Volta and John Theodore was my seeing John Theodore play with Mars Volta on YouTube was one of my first like, wow about drumming <laughs> moments. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, I one of my first wow moments was when I was playing at uh, a bar in LaSalle, Illinois called the Ninth Street Pub, and this was when I was in high school. I was probably a sophomore, and um, and there was this band from Chicago that would come down and play, and we would open up for them. And they were called the Elvis Brothers. And the, uh, the drummer of the band was called Brad Elvis. His real name is Brad Stakely. And he was like Keith Moon on a four-piece kit. He played vintage drums. I'd never seen anybody play like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was probably my first wow moment of like, oh, my God. This is amazing. Like, I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like it. He was like Gene Krupa meets Clem Burke, you know, meets Keith Moon. It was mm -hmm. the coolest. And we became friends. And when I asked him about, like, oh my God, like, he's why I started playing Vincent's drums. Yeah. Because, and um, I bought a Slingerland kit because he had a Slingerland. Um, well, one night we talked after the show, and he could tell I was pretty enthusiastic about drums and drumming. And he made me like a two two cassettes filled with all this music, Ginger Baker and Bonham and you know, big band stuff. And he wrote next to each song in a letter what I should be listening for. I still have the letter. Oh, and wow. I still So having those moments of support and like, wow, maybe I can really do this. Not only that, but I, this is what I really want to do. Cause he had so much joy when he played and he he just like delivered like all of this happiness when he was playing so to witness that at you know 15 16 years old that was a pretty powerful moment and uh yeah i'm forever indebted to him for that wow yeah i mean that's that's mentorship right there oh yeah absolutely yeah i couldn't believe it so yeah he's great he still lives in the chicagoland area and um He's, that's awesome. So, yeah. Um, and as far as like, I mean, I've been so fortunate to have, you know, the, literally the titans of drumming come into revival. Mm -hmm. 
like Bernard Purdy and Han Benick and I mean it just goes on. obviously Brian like I mentioned and Danny Carey and John Theodore. It just goes on and on. So um, I have so many great moments. It's just um, I feel super super fortunate, you know, to you know, and Billy and Cindy Blackman. We've literally had like the coolest drummers not only come to revival but play. Yeah, it's uh, it's a absolute dream. So yeah, and um, and also before I moved to Portland uh, and before I got into the Breeders when I was in Los Angeles, I was working at the Pro Drum Shop in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is uh, an institution. You know, family mm-hmm. ran and operated since 1959. So you know. Uh, I would go pick up Elvin Jones and bring him to the shop. And, oh, wow. You know, I mean, it goes on, man. It's so crazy. Like, like, actually, this is what's really neat about doing these, these podcasts and interviews is you get to kind of go through your, your memories. Kind of forgot, and, huh? I mean, you don't really forget, but it's yeah. nice to, like, to talk about it again because yeah. you don't just go like, oh, yeah, I would hang out with Elvin Jones and Keiko. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who the no – fucking cares you know but it's just like when you talk to another drummer to go like you know they kind of get it so you know working at pro drum and be able to have you know become friends with you know with pete thomas and dj Bonebreak and jim keltner and you know like it's that was an amazing experience so i brought that type of love of community and witnessed what i what i saw there i tried to bring that into the revival um, you know, uh, life and culture. So, yeah. So there's there were so many moments of of inspiring conversations that I would have, you know, just across the counter, you know, from you know Emil Richards and James Gadsden. I mean, it just goes on and on. So, um, so I feel it's not just these. Sure, there's those quake moments that happen, but there's all of these little nuggets. You know, mm-hmm. even today, you know what I mean? I had so many cool little nuggets happen that that's what, at least for me, gets me through it. And sure, does it help that you get to have these conversations and these memories? Absolutely. But I would hope that it's because of all of those experiences and traveling around the world and, you know, and just like, you know, sleeping in, you know, shitty hotels and, all of this that it comes out in everything that I do, you know, from, you know, like I said earlier, being a dad, being a husband, I've been with my wife for, you know, 22 years and I have a 14 year old son who's amazing. And just like, you know, having all those experiences just kind of come through me and really result in things that I do. Um, Cause I think you are your work. I think you, you are what you put out, you know what I mean? Good, bad, or ugly. You know, I think it's, I think it's important to look at matters, you know, up close. And, and if you can start your day out, just kind of reminding yourself that, you know, we're so lucky to even be alive. (laughs) I think it's a good place and, and just to do your best, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, I've been fortunate to have more hits than misses, but I don't know. It's at least I meant it. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, that's more more true than ever in some ways that we're you know fortunate to be alive and um. Yeah, and 
you know, so many people struggle with uh, just getting stuff out there, but the misses are so important. Oh, yeah. You know, making your misses public is so important. Yes. Um, Or else, you know, you might as well hide it all. Because yeah. you're not, you're not going to get the perfect score, and that's not really what it's about anyway. So exactly, it's part. It's the process, and that's what's really cool about, uh, you know, when you read about all of these, you know, from generals to presidents to, you know, to gardeners like this. This is it's the it's all about the process. It's mm-hmm. about showing up and working on your stuff, and that's why it's like, if if a book or if listening to a podcast or you know if whatever little tool you need to, to get you behind that kit then or the sticks in your hand then do it. And that's what, uh, that's what I hope to, I hope to do because I don't know, like I have a question for you. Sure. Um, yeah. Where do you find, where do you find peace in, in your life? Um, well, I got into drumming kind of for Drumming was the first thing that gave me a sense of, uh, calmness and activity Mm. but uh back in march i got into meditation based on the advice of my therapist and then i started thinking more about because i studied philosophy in uh in school and it just gave me more questions which is okay okay you know not the worst not the worst problem to have but um i hadn't really connected my life to my my drumming really and I hadn't really thought about it um but then it turns out there is kind of a, a rich tradition of people doing that not a, not a rich tradition I take that back because like I said in some ways in a lot of ways this is kind of a new new area it's there if you're looking for it but um yeah so I, I hearing and that's the the Buddhist term is um, calmness and activity, I guess. So it's always been drumming, but, um, you know, turning the, turning the argument around and thinking about life as drumming, maybe because drumming was, was so long, uh, it's always been a, a refuge refuge, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And so stoicism too, for sure. All of these things that emphasize getting out of your own way i think yeah yeah that's beautiful that's cool not a lot of people find that or get there so so good for you you know and um and i i love that you know you're able to talk with someone to help get you there you know and Mm -hmm. that yeah it's a nice reminder to know that we're not alone you know in this that you know, everyone is is struggling. You know, kind of like what Mark Man Mark Manson says, like you just got to figure out what's worth struggling for. You know, mm-hmm. so, and um, that's beautiful. Good for you. That yeah, was nice. You. Yeah, I like your timber of your voice. This sounds <laughs> thank you. Yeah, a voice a, for radio. There's a there's an ease to it. So thanks for that. Yeah. Likewise, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. Like I said, there's only I guess it's a small market, but it's a necessary market of uh, the life drum continuum topic. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I really enjoy it. I, 
I'll have one more little story, then I'll leave you alone. But um, uh, yeah, I yeah, please. I mentioned Ryan Holiday uh, earlier. He's uh, he's an amazing you know writer. He's sold millions of books. And uh, when I was talking to him about my new book, you know, he said, "Oh man, you should open it up to you know to musicians, like to every musician." Mm-hmm. And I said, "No, I thought about it for a millisecond, but I really love my drumming community. I really love." I love that I get to serve this community that's been so wonderful to me, I feel like, in all of my endeavors. It really is special. Yeah, I just want to kind of stay there. And he, I think he really liked that, that I wasn't like going for the, going for the, the goal per se, you know, that I'm cool with bronze, you know, I have no problems with that because, you know, kind of, because that's actually where I find peace, mm-hmm. is serving drummers, you know, and serving our culture. So, um, yeah, it makes, uh, yeah, it was cool to have, you know, him, you know, say that and then just to be like, no, I like our world. You know what I mean? I like to, yeah. to say, so I'll continue to service our little niche, our little world, and whoever, you know, wants to, you know, like, embrace it that's great mm-hmm. if this is for you that's cool too you know what i mean but all i know is that um i'll always be here for for my fellow man so and human i should say and uh but i'm excited that um that i got to talk with you today about all of this stuff and thank oh, you yeah. for all your questions and i i hope that there's enough here for an episode but if not for I sure totally- we got more than enough oh and thank you for the shirt i got one of the shirts <laughs> You're more than and a welcome. A couple of stickers too, yeah. It was much appreciated. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and um, and yeah, thank you so much for doing what you guys do. Um, I I love it. I I say no to these a lot because I feel like um, I don't know. I feel that there's enough noise out there. But there's thank a lot you of noise. so. Much. Yeah, thank you for for reaching out to me. And when I saw it was you guys, I didn't even hesitate. You know, well, thank like, you. Yeah, absolutely. I just love what you guys do, and uh, the, the the other creatives that you celebrate. It's an honor to be uh, among them. So, yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, likewise, it's an honor to, to have you on here. 